0: Live from the basement that we record from, you are tuning into Double Turn Radio. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead, and next to me is my beautiful and lovely co-host, as always, the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. We are here. We're reviewing TNA Pay-Per-View 2. Yes, this is our total nonstop review series where we review the entirety of the TNA organization, beginning with its inception, uh, joining with the NWA as a fallout to the WCW purchase from WWE at the time. Uh, this is June 26, 2002. We are still in Huntsville, Alabama at the Von Braun Center. If you checked out last edition of Total Nonstop Review, you will know that they actually ran this event uh, two shows in a row. Uh, but yeah, we'll, before we get to it, let's go ahead and plug into social media. We are at Twitter, Facebook, And Instagram, Twitter is gonna be double turn radio. The ending O is a zero. Facebook is just gonna be double turn radio. And then Instagram, we where we mainly are, is gonna be double underscore turn underscore radio. You can also find us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcast. Everywhere you want to hear our pretty little voices, you most certainly will be able to find us. Shout out to Joey Flats for providing the beginning and ending outro and intro to every uh, uh, podcast that we have. Uh, You can find him on Apple Music and Spotify as well. Let us be your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia. Whether you are on the road as a worker or at home as a fan or just somebody who needs their professional wrestling fix. Let us be your one stop shop for all things wrestling. Let's get to it baby. This is total non-stop review what'd you think of the show james it was
1: great i had a lot of fun watching it yeah for it was great
0: two <laughs> two uh, uh shows in a row i've been thoroughly entertained sometimes for the wrong reasons sometimes for the absolute right reasons uh by this show uh and you know tna as a whole thus far you know we have been doing this war ready series sometimes we're doing it in conjunction with you know what well, at least we're reviewing it um, in conjunction with our War Ready series. So, you know, our recordings are a little scattered throughout. But nonetheless, we get to see kind of the beginning of how WCW, you know, uh, Nitro was formed and, and how that's going. And now we kind of get the post. We, we all know what happened to WCW. We all know it got bought out by the WWE. The company was dead. So now it's good to kind of just see like, oh, hey, where did all of those guys go? where did that company go as a whole? And And this is it. It's, it's been a great ride so far. Absolutely. And the NWA has a storied history. We don't need to go into that.
1: Goes dates all the way back to the territories. The championship that, uh, that now heads TNA, without a doubt, probably one of the most prestigious championships in the history of the world. And It is the 10 pounds of gold. Yep, the 10 pounds of gold. The classic belt currently, as of this recording, held by Tyrus.
0: Yes, we won't get into that. We
1: won't get into that, but eventually we will talk about it, I'm sure. Uh, Nonetheless... Yeah, Yeah. so we open up TNA Pay-Per-View 2. We got our commentary team of Mike Tanay, Ed Farrar, Don West. They're on the booth, and we immediately go right into a recap of last week, Uh, basically going through uh, the Battle Royal that turned into a gauntlet. It was the gauntlet for the gold. Yeah, We talked about it, and we have a new NWA world champion. His name is Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man on the planet. No relation to Ronda Rousey. <laughs> no relation
0: to Ronda <laughs> Rousey. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So we get that recap. Uh, if like we said, if you didn't watch, if you didn't watch it, listen to us, listen to the, the, our total nonstop review from the first week, you'll know all about it. And maybe it'll pique your interest enough to want to watch it itself. You have uh, little people, you have strippers, um, you have uh, butter knife, edge chops. It's great. It's a, it's a wonderful time. And we uh, keep the momentum rolling this time around. Uh, so we have a double main event. Uh, we have uh, J- uh, Jeff Jarrett and Scott Hall. We have the Laundry Battle Royal. We have the crowning of the X Division uh, uh, champion. That's all going to be happening today, and and much much more. Uh, first up, we get Jeff making. Uh, we got Jeff Jarrett making his entrance. Uh, supposedly that was supposed to be the main event. Uh, for tonight. That was supposed to be the last match that went on tonight. Uh, but Jeff comes on now. Uh, he makes his entrance. He takes the mic and he says that they're not going to wait any longer. He wants to fight right now. He cuts right to it and he calls uh, Scott Hall out. Scott Hall comes out with uh, Toby Keith and Jackie uh, Fargo, who are going to be in his corner. And if you uh, didn't listen to it last week, definitely please go ahead and do. Uh, Toby Keith, the country sing- singer, and Jackie Fargo, the former NWA World Champion. Uh, is out to the ring with Scott Hall because of, you know, what happened during the Gauntlet Battle robe. Correct. Yeah,
1: and actually, for two guys who come out of WCW and are on the later end of their uh, prime, I guess you could say, or not really, because Jeff Jarrett actually goes and ends up extending his career even longer, Scott Hall's, obviously, you can tell, a little bit on the decline here, but
0: nonetheless... It was a pretty decent match going all the way through. Yeah, pretty decent match between the both of them. And you got to remember, Scott Hall at this point, like as James has said, the company is defunct. You kind of want to know where where both men are going from here. Ever since the, the purchase of... WCW Jeff Jarrett was pretty much nowhere to be found after that he didn't rejoin the WWF roster like it was kind of he was kind of just meandering around I guess uh, different promotions such as you know the NWA um, you know whatever programming they were putting on at the time and Scott Hall went back with Kevin Nash for just a brief amount of time then he uh, if I'm not mistaken he asked for his release from the WWE around this time and uh, was then granted his release, and thus now is in uh, a TNA. And it was off the heels of his outsider's gimmick, because they're still... A, he still has the same so fucking gear. I was about gear. to say, still wearing the exact same gear. Yeah, still has the same gear, still has the same look. Uh, they called him the... The outsider of professional wrestling, or something like that—they call it. Yeah, I don't remember if it was outsider, outlaw, or outlaw, outlaw
1: the- outlier, uh, but it was the outlaw. That, that's the one that they, that they go with. Yeah, and uh, because they're still playing off the gimmick, obviously everybody knew that he was signed to WCW, but his gimmick with Kevin Nash—they were the outsiders. They were invading the company. They were though the guys from the other side. They were coming down from Connecticut, so we're still kind of going with that gimmick. Uh, Nonetheless, it was a pretty straightforward match. Uh, There are some quirks in this match.
0: It comes from the managerial standpoint of this match. It comes from the managerial standpoint. And the refereeing. Exactly. And uh, this is kind of where our gripes uh, I believe we had shared gripes about this uh, because this match ends in a screwy finish. Uh, Another match later on in the card ends in a screwy finish. So uh, you kind of get to see the shenanigans real, real early coming from TNA. Uh, But Just a little bit more about the match. The bell rang. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and Scott Hall really started playing hands. Uh, Hall was laughing because Jeff Jarrett looked scared. I mean, uh, rightfully so, because Scott Hall is a much larger competitor. Uh, We got a you suck chant for Jeff Jarrett. But Jeff Jarrett really just kind of used his smarts and his uh, speed to uh, take advantage where he could. Uh, He evaded some clotheslines and some big moves, uh, tried to get... Um, Scott Hall down to about a knee. Uh, eventually, uh, Jeff Jarrett puts uh, a sleeper hold on Scott Hall. Scott Hall eventually gets out. He puts a sleeper hold on Jeff Jarrett, but then Jeff Jarrett reversed it with a body uh, a back body drop. And then we got a double down at this point. This is going towards like the end of the match. Kind of really didn't make any sense, you know, considering, it, uh, I, I guess... I guess in the terms of how they wanted the match to be constructed it, it made sense whereas Jeff you know was fighting for his life to try and take Scott down Scott was fighting to you know defend all the offense that Jeff was putting at him but it just didn't seem like there was enough to uh, constitute how long of a double down we got which was practically to a 10 count as James men you know it mentioned was, during the time Yeah it was
1: close it was incredibly close Like almost
0: to the point where the referee stopped the 10 count to let Jeff Jarrett uh, cover. Call, get the cover right uh-huh. on Scott Hall for the two, and it wasn't
1: like it, it was weird, but if because if you watch it, it's 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 out of pace. The referee is very out of pace with this last one. just a little it's, too fast. Yeah, it, and I think that that's where kind of you know Jarrett is. Jarrett's a master at, at the craft, not for nothing. He, if you go back and watch some of his stuff, he's pretty damn good. And him being able to work the match and work the psychology of the match. It, he was trying to do his best but it was I felt like the ref was a little too fast as uh, as Xavier was saying uh, nonetheless uh, it's uh, from yeah. there
0: this is where we kind of get a little a little screwy yeah so we get um so we get Jeff Jarrett and Kevin uh, uh, sorry Scott Hall getting up at this point and you know they're kind of uh, lazily getting up they're in that you know kind of daisy feeling of r- Scott Hall mentions the razor's edge. He signals for it. And as he's setting up Jeff Jarrett for it, they're near the ropes. Uh, K Crush then comes out from uh, ringside from the back. He runs down the ramp, and he pulls uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett off. Jackie Fargo then pulls K Crush off, slaps K Crush. K Crush no-sold it. Corrected. Didn't even yeah. know where the didn't, punch came from.
1: Didn't, yeah, right. Didn't didn't sell it. Did nothing. Mm-hmm. Other than that. Stood uh, there. The ref's outside trying to control the action. Yeah. And there's zero referee inside right now.
0: Oh, by the way. No, after, disqual- after uh, uh, K-Crush pulled Jeff Jarrett off, Scott Hall then got caught up on the second rope, which the referee saw K-Crush blatantly slap Scott Hall in the face. Right. He,
1: he didn't disqualify him on top of that toby keith gets involved in the ring for a low blow and cl- it, it, like we said the referee is outside of the ring but the way that this ends up going he can he sees the referee he is within re- the referee's eyesight a hundred percent just you if you watch it you'll see what we're talking about and j uh jeff jarrett is that so that came off the stroke he was attempting at the stroke toby keith comes in hits the low blow Hall goes for the pin, and suddenly, the ref just slides in, counts the three, That's what, and that's what I'm talking about, and that's it. It's over. Uh, Ed Ferrara uh, calls it uh, the biggest work of crap, and he's not wrong. No. But at the same time, it's not terrible either. It's actually a pretty okay match, and I enjoyed it, aside from the shenanigans.
0: It's the—exactly. It's the finish that really, like, destroyed it, because— there's not, it, it didn't need this. What uh, I understand because after this, we get a, a announced, you know, at least a little later on in the show, we get announced that it's going to be K crush and, um, yeah, Oh goodness gracious. Cause it'd be K crush and Jeff Jarrett Jeff. versus Scott Hall and Brian Christopher. Cause Brian Christopher also came out to make the save as well. Right. In the midst of all this. So I get that we're leading towards the, the, the tag match between, the four, but like it didn't need this. Maybe like a post match, you know, like whatever could have worked, but it does. It it didn't. It this didn't do it for me. The finish just didn't do it for me. Everything else was fine. Right. Uh, uh, ref's name is Slick Johnson, by the way. Yeah. Ref's name is Slick Johnson. If you don't know who Slick Johnson is, we fucking don't either. Uh, he got paid off the uh, or he paid uh uh Alicia the last show. Um, that was the ref that you know was was kind of. He's being bought. He's being bought. Very, very easily to say he's being bought. Uh, but nonetheless, we got a recap of the lingerie battle royal before the second match. And that second match, holy shit. I've never
1: seen a human being like this. Yeah. And I've seen viscera. I've seen, you know, this is cheeks. We've man. seen our,
0: yeah, we, this is cheeks. We've seen hefty individuals before. This guy is a lot more hefty than than a hefty bag can hold. Uh, he's out with the brown-eyed girl. A commentary also questioned who that even was. Now, I don't know if we
1: mentioned in the beginning, but these... So, this pay-per-view and the pay-per-view for the week before were filmed in conjunction on the same night. You were saying something before, like, that this had to
0: get worked around. Yeah, because, because Cheeks broke the fucking ring, buddy. <laughs> so, in a dark match during the first uh show taping, uh, or at least I think it was post the first show taping or pre the second show taping... W- Apparently, Cheeks was supposed to come on later on during the show, but because of his size uh, and the match prior where he broke the ring, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he broke a ring rope, uh, and, and th- but that just caused the chaos for everything else. Apparently, the the entire card was uh, switched around as well. But nonetheless, Cheeks is 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 that very much self-explanatory. Very much self-explanatory. Uh, if you need to know how this match went, he uh,
1: he wrestled uh, Frank Parker, and he's in. Uh, and in his uh, cheeks corner is the brown-eyed girl. This uh, if once you see cheeks, you know exactly how this is gonna go.
0: Yeah, if you've seen Yokozuna, if you've seen Viscera, if you've seen really anything, it it was. It's this guy right here. So apparently, uh, during the it was the first ever match. So this is the first TNA match that we just reviewed last week. This is the first show. Uh, Make sure you check out Total Nonstop Review from from the last uh, uh, show. Um, So before that show started, Cheeks had a dark match, and Cheeks hit the ropes with so much force that one of the ropes broke. While the workers were rapidly fixing the rope, that was when Toby Keith uh, entertained fans and got into it with uh, Jeff Jarrett just to keep him busy. So what I'm assuming happened was they wanted to get Cheeks out of the way fucking early and just and just get it done because we don't need a, a rope breaking during the middle of the show. And then we have three or four more matches after that that we have to get going. Right. Um they announced that his weight is 402 pounds. Apparently, his shoot weight was 450. I don't know why you would dumb down the size, but sure. Uh, Ed Ferrara asks if all that 402 pounds was in one leg. Guy's got thick legs. Huge legs. But uh, Mike Tanay says that he, that uh, Cheeks is from Roanoke, Virginia, and he was actually trained by uh, the Anderson brothers, Ole and uh, one of the other ones. That's not hard. Uh, and then um, Frank... Parker, the opponent to Cheeks, if you don't know who that is, neither do we. He's just a jobber. James, if you want to go ahead and cover that, um, the, at least who he is. Yeah, uh, I don't know who he is.
1: Uh, <laughs> but uh, I could cover the match in pretty, uh, sl- like, sick detail if you want. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Parker did literally everything he can to Irish whip Cheeks multiple times in this match, and Cheeks would not move. Uh, that That goes without saying. Because they're going to sell up the size of the the giant 400-pound man. And they make all these fat jokes on commentary uh, that Cheeks tried to eat T.O. If you don't know who T.O. is, T.O. is the guy who was yelling at Scott Armstrong's crotch last week. And (laughs) with that being said... This is pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, they he uh, Parker uh, tries the sunset flip Cheeks. I don't know why he thought that was going to work. And Cheeks just sits down. Uh, instead of that just being his, the finish, which it totally could have, He they start counting and Cheeks stands up. And I'm like, what is this man's about to do? And he just gets up to splash
0: him. Yeah, out <laughs> of one count. The, the, the finish could have been the finish. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a big splash for the for the win. Right before this, Ed Ferrara said that Cheeks is the lost member of the Dups and that he's blowed, blowed up. up. And if you're a wrestler, n- no explanation necessary. Blowed up. That was a <laughs> great fucking rib. Uh, Frank Parker, real quick, just to give a recap of who he may or may not be. Uh, he did almost absolutely nothing, as we said. Uh, he's from... Uh, North Carolina, and was trained by Jimmy Valiant, uh, who is a professional wrestling uh, legend from the Territory days. Um, other matches, if you've seen him anywhere on TV, aside from this, uh, he was at a WWF Shotgun Saturday Night on, in 1999 against the Hardy Brothers, uh, and then he was also on Shotgun Saturday Night in 97, and that was against Animal and Hawk. He wrestled
1: um, in Omega, too. Wow.
0: Yeah, wrestled in Omega. Um, yeah, not really, really much. Uh, uh, Not really much in terms of uh, Frank Parker. Uh, and we move on. um, Because after this, we get a close-up of Jeremy Borash and Alicia, who was at ringside during this match, very, very briefly talking to Borash. Uh, they start arguing, and then Borash hands Alicia some money. And then Ed Ferrara says Alicia is not collecting for UNICEF. That's a fucking 90s. I was about to that, say, that's, that's that early that, 90s, 2000s reference through I, and through. I was about to say, I, I haven't heard that in so long. Ooh, if you had a Wendy's or a McDonald's Happy Meal, UNICEF was probably tied to it in one way, shape, or form. God knows where UNICEF went. They didn't keep getting money. I don't know. <laughs> That company's down under. It looks like Borash is, too, because this is the second week in a row where he's been fucked with, and it's going to continue going on through the night right? Uh, as well. Who is this Alicia girl? Why? We don't get any we, we explanation. We don't have any explanation yet. This is yet? The second week in a row that somebody's given her money, and we don't know why. I know. We'll figure it out. I hear rigging matches. Good old Pete Rose. <laughs> also, <laughs> just, also, just
1: so we don't have to cover it every time because we do have it written in the notes, uh, every time they transition, it, they go right to the. Uh, I almost said the Nitro Girls again. They go right to the to the women in the cage that the, yes. the dancers. Yes. They do it every single transition from match to match, segment to segment. It's mm-hmm. not a joke, and it it so it's it's. Just know that it's happening. In between all of this, you're getting girls dancing in cages. Yes,
0: scantity clad clothing yep. as well.
1: So we get a recap from the prior week uh, of the rivalry that's now going on with K Crush and uh, Brian Christopher Lawler and now we we've got NASCAR drivers involved and legends and uh, that in of that sport and uh we're going to get that match right now because K Crush is going to take on Brian Christopher with um Herbie Her- Sadler, yep, Herbie and Sadler and whoever
0: the fuck Marlin whatever that guy's name is uh yeah it's it's a uh, that's happening right now. It's really just a battle of the b-boys, a battle of the wanksters. It's the culture versus gentrification and its fucking finest. Because if you just look at Brian Christopher and you look at Cave Crush, you can tell who's supposed to be dressing that way and who's not supposed to be dressing that way. Uh, so we, <laughs> we got a battle for civil rights everybody christopher is on the buckle hyping up the fans as k crush attacks him from behind to take the early control uh then we get strikes early from k crush as he continues on his helantics uh brian christopher eventually reverses uh, a move and hits a huge uh, bulldog from the corner for the brief advantage but then goes to the well one too many times as he sent to the opposite corner by crush to take back control Uh, crush evades a flare-up attempt by uh, brian christopher with some dance moves and a split similar to how he does when he's our truth Uh, and then crush uh, uh, hits him with some more heat uh, before uh, brian christopher hulks up and lands a standing insiguri on crush uh, As stunner was also hit by uh, uh, brian christopher as he mimics stone cold Uh, there was a yeah exactly there was a brief um you know like a tooting of the horn Uh, After it was done and inverted atomic drop from K crush. So we get some more back and forth between them. Uh, K crush was going to go to the apron and he was standing between the ropes uh, before Sadler and Marlin got up on the apron and used the ropes to bounce uh, K crush on his crotch. So not the referee
1: was distracted yes and but by
0: distracted we mean looking directly at it.
1: it it was so they tried
0: to make it look
1: like he was checking on Brian Christopher the thing was he had rotated around to a point where the ropes and what's going on on the ropes are completely visible in his line of view unless he's the referee with i mean and this does, this doesn't say much but in professional wrestling referees
0: t- don't tend to have great peripheral vision no not at all but at least the least you could do as a referee is not look at what's going on hard camera side and put your back uh, uh, not you know facing the hard cam which was done in the most inopportune moments in other matches correct so why couldn't it have been done now i have no idea poo poo on the ref for not uh, having the ring awareness uh to do that um yeah after this uh a crotch bounce by the nascar jabronis uh this allowed uh, brian christopher to hit the hip-hop drop for the pin and the win he makes that look good he, does. he really does. He,
1: he really, really. No joke. He. That's uh, and, and anybody that's doing a leg drop off the top rope has my has my
0: kudos. That's like that's. Sick. It's a. It's not. It's, it's painful. Not, I heard it's not it's comfortable. Pain, it's fucking painful. Uh, if you're not landing on your back, really, it's anything from the top rope kind of sucks. But if you're not landing on your back, it's really putting a lot of impact on on a small, small, very small part of your body and your ass. Not really the best place to do it. Look at Matt Hardy. All those leg drops on the top rope and his. His lower spine is practically infused with his pelvis, he said, right. at least uh, as of a couple of years ago. So. Yep. And then
1: I, uh, Hogan's been dropping it forever. And mm-hmm. now Hogan's uh, has, tr- he can't walk without a cane. So exactly. you know, it, it, it takes a toll on you, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, yeah. So uh, Brian Christopher Lawler goes over and now uh, Ed Farrar says that he's upset. There were two screwy finishes back to back. We agree. We, we absolutely
0: 100% agree. Yeah, I, the, like the matches aren't the, bad. They're not bad. They're well-wrestled matches. It's very weird because it's like we want a clear-cut winner to happen, and both matches in a row, we haven't gotten that. YK Crush came from ringside, attacked Jeff Jarrett, then went to the back, then had his own entrance again. It didn't make any sense. Could have just stayed out in the ring. Brian Christopher could also have just stayed out in the ring, and we could have had the matches between them. But we got it the way we got it. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Borash then in, introduces uh, the lingerie battle royal, which is next. The commentators go absolutely crazy over it. Um, Mike Tenay then announces that the winner is going to get a contract and the title of Miss TNA. All right. Real quick. Before anything, let's go ahead and just say this. This is easily, hands down, the most. I don't care what, how long you've been watching wrestling. I don't care like... You know, obviously, we've lived through the mid-90s in terms of wrestling. And we've seen what's happened to them. This has to be the most misogynistic fucking match I've ever watched in my entire life. And th- this might have set back women's wrestling in for, for at least a decade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> easily. I'm not a fan of this match at all. I, I,
1: if we can even call this a match. I was about to say, I'm going to say this because... Listen, we all we're all going to sit here and say this is misogynistic, this is this, this is that. We when we were younger, when we were kids, you know, this was sick. I'm guilty but of it. We're all guilty of it. Yeah. And anybody who says they're not is a liar. Oh, I didn't like that. You're bullshitting yourself. The thing is is going back and looking at it at this point in time where women's wrestling has evolved so much to the point it's not evolved fully because we we already spoke about it on numerous occasions. It hasn't evolved fully, but it's evolved light years from from this to what we have this. now it's it's night and, night and day. day night and day it's a fortnight ahead of this yeah uh and I'm not gonna say what Wwe did with uh braun pan uh, braun panties matches and stuff like that it was classier but if there was something to compare it to this was like the worst yeah. I've
0: ever seen yeah um you've got like all right bad enough it's the mid-2000s women weren't exactly the best looking, you know, creatures in the world. Neither were men. This was a tough time in fashion and in, in you know, just just humanity in general. But <laughs> not exactly. A lot of us weren't fucking lookers. I'll just say that. Uh, Borash, I don't know if he was drunk, high, just couldn't keep up. I don't know what was going on. But he incorrectly introduced just about fucking everybody. So now that we've watched this twice, I think I figured out what what was going on.
1: So, he announces a name. He doesn't... He, he And I, I checked this. He does announce it in the order that they come out. The thing is, the first girl misses her cue and doesn't walk out. So, by the time he gets to the second name, now she's coming out and Francine is coming behind her. Yeah. So, it's... it. And they're making fun of Borash like it's his fault, Like, but they didn't send them out in time or they weren't paying attention or whatever. But, yeah, they missed their cue. They didn't come out. So... Uh, that's kind of where that was at. So if you needed a tone setter for the match, this, Th- this was is it. it
0: yeah it's a, it's a hot shit dump from the beginning. Uh, so he introduces Tyler Ty- Tyler is the person who didn't come out. Uh, Francine really didn't get her introduction. she comes out after the third person uh, come you know get, gets onto the ring. Um, Joni's out next. Ed says that Joni is his pick. I don't even know who Joni is. Um, Ed says that they all want the contract so that they can work with him. More, you know, misogyny from, from them. Shannon is out next, and she's bouncing and jumping, and that's all I'll leave it at that. Uh, and the commentary tells Jeremy Borash to just stop talking at this point because he's fucking it up so bad. Uh, and this is as Mickey James comes out. I'm not even going to tell you what Mickey James's name from back then was because it doesn't matter. Uh, then someone else is out after. Don't know who she is because couldn't fucking care less. Electra is out next, and then Taylor Vaughn. and Don West is going absolutely bananas at this point. All women, all the women that came out to the ring, were wearing like hospital gowns. Like yeah, two piece, like two piece hospital gowns. Super odd. But uh, do we even go
1: into depth Or we just want to talk about? it Because they all did the exact same thing to one another. Lots get, of titties, a
0: go- lot of ass, a whole lot of spanking each other, a whole lot of removing the top first and then the bottoms, a whole lot of screaming, uh, not a lot of hair pulling. A whole lot of commentary. Yeah, D- bad, we'll talk about bad the. Commentary. We'll talk about
1: the one spot that I think I was. I rolled my eyes at because I was like, "Oh, here we go." Are you
0: talking about the the? Yeah, Fran- with
1: Francine and uh-huh. uh uh-huh. and Ed, uh, uh-huh. whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh yeah, so Ed, uh, so Francine gets eliminated. She starts crying near the ramp, and Ed comes off commentary to go and console her for
0: no reason. What
1: he ends up doing is he ends up groping her. She ends up turning around, unbuckling his. Uh, his belt gets on her knees, gets on her knees, Unbuckles obviously the belt. insinuating what what's about to happen. Takes his belt off and ends up hitting him with it. And she goes all out, like, I mean, she's really hitting him with his belt. Yeah, uh, while this is all going on, other girls are getting eliminated, eliminated left and right, left and right. You can still hear JB in the background trying to keep up and d- d- give you credit, good try. Uh, but. What ends up happening is uh, it comes down to um, Electra and, and Taylor, uh, Taylor Vaughn. Vaughn.
0: Uh, and, um, Taylor Vaughn just takes the shirt off of Electra pretty easily. Uh, th- then she starts choking Elektra. Um, Electra is holding the ropes uh, as Taylor is trying to take the pants off of her. And that is the that's 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 match. Francine it's, went back in the ring yep. after, started attacking Taylor Vaughn. Uh, Francine then gets the belt and she starts whipping Taylor Vaughn, but she was missing every time. And then slick Johnson goes in, uh, escorts Taylor Vaughn out as Francine is holding on to her boobs for dear life. There was no nipple tape in sight at all. No titty tape. I don't, I, it must've not been invented at this point because wow. Right. Wow. Huh. How, how it nip slipped in and it happened during this match beyond me. Yeah, yeah. I have lots no of idea. silicone. Whole lot of whole lot of nipple flying around it's yep. crazy yep yep absolutely wild uh after this we um once again get the ring girls and then we cut back to the ring and we get Joel Gertner and if you don't know who Joel Gertner is he was there last week he was the one that was rhyming doing his best uh uh, uh, uh chain gang commando uh, 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 entrance yeah he is a former ECW personality that's it. That's all That's I got.
1: That's Literally it. Uh, other than that, he's uh, he goes off. Uh, he's hyping up the Rainbow Express. Uh, the Rainbow Express is being hyped up. Um, they're um, what's the best way to put this? It's like because they're saying that the gimmick was too controversial for TV, and the gimmick is that they're gay, and
0: and by gay we mean like just like like the normal not people, not obnoxiously no, gay, but right. just like just like you know. Uh, like, very obviously gay. Right. It's not, and
1: it's the, like, like we're saying, there's no problem with it. They're absolutely normal guys, and it's just, this is what they're, we're building it around. They're scheduled to fight the dups, but the dups refuse to work with them because they're gay.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, so he, you see, um, I forgot what his Dup name is, but you see Trevor Murdoch in the back and he's stand pretty up, much, uh, I think it's Bo Dup.
1: Up, uh, yeah, it's one of those. It's either Stand Up or
0: Bo Dup. Uh. One of those two. But nonetheless, Trevor Murdoch is pretty much saying how he refuses to wrestle left-wingers and hippies and just look at them. I'm not going to wrestle them. Very, like, dated, very dated ideals. Very da- Which, let me know, for this part in time, like, I get it homosexuality was still kind of a taboo thing I remember my childhood you know it, it wasn't really uh, celebrated as it is now um, and th- I guess TNA is just exploiting that in the way that maybe WWE didn't because there weren't really many uh, you know pro-gay angles or really just any g- gay angles at all in in, uh, in the WWE at yeah. least at this time
1: yeah no not at this time um, so it's combat this. We get unnamed uh, TNA official number one who walks up to America's Most Wanted as they're leaving the building. Uh, America's Most Wanted is the team of James, of Cowboy James Storm and Chris Harris. And uh, they ask, uh, hey, would you guys fill their spot? And they're like, yeah, let me, let's go get changed into our gear. Nah, just take your shirts off, go to the ring. Literally what he says. So uh, we actually get a pretty damn good match out of this. Uh, it's a solid tag team match. And not for nothing... Uh, commentary shits on the Rainbow Express the entire time, despite them being in control most of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, d- d- oh, man, this is just something crazy. Um, so apparently, uh, the they were too they were too controversial for TV was because uh, they were pretending to be gay, but then got revealed to be brothers. But now the storyline is that they're actually gay. They're not brothers. Oh. And they were shoved into a closet by WCW, uh, uh, you know, standards and practices. turns out that this isn't even the same team that performed in WCW because Lodi, who was the other, who was originally the, uh, the person along with a uh, Bruce, um, You know, in the Rainbow Express, he's out injured on a neck injury. So this other guy, Lenny, is the brand new guy. So it's not even the same team. So none of this commentary fucking matters. Oh, I didn't know that. None (laughs) of it. None of it fucking matters. The whole thing about them being too controversial. It was all just a fucking ploy. It didn't even matter. We do get a halfway decent match out of this, though. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah, we'll go into it real quick. Yeah, let's get into it real quick. Yeah, so immediately, uh, America's Most Wanted uh, hits the ring, and the Rainbow Express go on the attack, uh, but really to no avail as Bruce gets sent outside and Lenny's left inside taking the heat from a Storm. Uh, Lenny hits a tor- Tornado DDT out of the corner to take back the advantage he goes in to tag Bruce. It's really an unconv- uh, unconventional tag, to say the least, because uh, Lenny kisses the hand of Bruce uh, to tag him in uh, Don West gets really angry he starts arguing with Mike Tenay as to why he's so angry in the first place it really was just taking away from you know the action in the match was their arguing so it was a little annoying but either way the double team effort continued as uh, you know Don West kept going on and on Tenay said that the Rainbow Express were forced into the closet by the standards of practices that was at this point in the match we talked about that just a couple of uh, moments ago Uh, And then later, um, Lenny gets on a tiger tamer because he looked like Jericho, I guess. Uh, But Harris uh, 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 breaks it up after the ref was distracted by Bruce. Uh, Ed Ferrara said that the Rainbow Express isn't an impressive tag team regardless. And this didn't make much sense, as you said before, going into this. They had the advantage most of the match. Why are you incorrectly calling the match? Harris gets the hot tag. Uh, Bruce and Storm are wrestling outside. Harris reverses a roll up off the ropes, sends Lenny into Bruce on the apron, and rolls Lenny up for the pin and the win. Simple. Convoluted a little bit, but simple and simple enough. In in practicality. And it is what it is. Yeah. Don uh, goes crazy that America Most Wanted won. And uh, you know, in in a positive way, and then Ed Ferrara, you know, accusatorily asked Don why he's so happy. It's fucking obvious. And, right, I mean <laughs> I mean, were you like, not yo, awake R. I. during R. I. the match? R.I.P. Don West Absolutely. Not for nothing, R.I.P. Yeah. Don West He's, he's the GOAT uh, in terms of commentary One of them at least uh, And just his overall Contributions to the business as a whole uh, But this yep. was this this right here. Maybe not a good look for him at the time.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh, we're gonna go back in retrospect real quick because uh, amidst all of this, we missed we the match. Missed a match. Uh, so in the middle of the card, right between the lingerie battle royal thingamajig and whatever, and uh, America's Most Wanted versus the Rainbow Express, we had uh, Grand Apollo. He who just went by Apollo at the time in TNA. Uh, facing da- uh, David Young. It was a five-minute and 30-second match, which was relatively uneventful.
0: And... The only thing that you really have to know about this match is that the manager to David Young uh, Bobcat. Harassed, yep, harassed. Uh, yeah, bo- Bobcat harassed Jeremy Borash as well as Goldilocks. Yeah.
1: So, with that being said, uh, the finish of the match was probably the most entertaining part. It was simple... Uh, so it made no sense, also because David Young hit his finishing move, saw that his manager was getting distracted, and decided, okay, I'm just gonna go for another move, and went up for a for a moonsault, and uh, completely missed it, and then got hit with a TKO for the pin, and uh, that's it. That's all you really need to know about that match.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I did want to point out is Apollo's chops and like his super kicks sounded. Really loud, sounded really good, really crisp. He was a great competitor. I'm not sure if he had... So he had a brief stint in the WWE, but that he wrestled in FCW for just a little bit of time, for about a year. Uh, Not even, really, six months. And that was it. And then he went to IWA, back to Puerto Rico. So... I mean, he looked good in this match. No, absolutely. He might have not done so well back then, but he looked good in this match. Yeah. Uh, moving on. We've got, uh, next up, Ken Shatwell. We cut to the TNA girls, and then we have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat inside the ring. Sweaty, still from the taping before. I guess they just finished the main event. <laughs> just right. a little bit prior. He's still wearing so. his
1: referee's uh, shirt and... He's calling out the uh, NWA champion to the ring. Ken Sham- Shamrock makes his way down to the ring. And he said he's going to de- defend... You know, typical, I'm your new champion. I'm the face champion. Yeah. And I'm going to defend this with pride and honor. They all talk about blah. the lineage of the NWA yeah. title
0: and who's held it before him and how <laughs> every time he stepped into a promotion, he's went to the top. Uh, and You know, he names a couple of them. And then uh, right after this is... Oh, he says, whoever doesn't like it could kiss his ass. And then right after this is when we get a young father, James Mitchell, doing his best Vicky Guerrero impression, saying, excuse me, cutting off uh, Ken Shamrock. He cuts, uh, he calls Huntsville fans crackers. That was uh, surprising. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, listen, early 2000s, right? Sinister minister, Definitely wouldn't be able to fly nowadays. Absolutely Uh, not. He then says that he's on a mission from God, but it's not your God. It's his God. He's wearing red and black, so that's... Go figure. Take a guess. Exactly. Uh, and that's why uh, his agents, his minions, and a disciple of the new disciples of the new church will make sure that his group will hold on to the NWA title. He then challenges Ken to a title defense uh, next week against one of his disciples. And before uh, Ken can give his answer, James introduces Slash. And if you don't know who Slash is, he's PG-13's... Which one is it? I'm not sure. Oh, Christ. Oh, the hippity-hoppity guy. That yeah. One. That, yeah. That one there. The the, the
1: flash in a pen WWF uh, tag <laughs> PG-13 team. 13 yeah, tag
0: USWA. team. Yeah, USWA, former tag team champions there uh, from 96. The, one of the members made his way onto TNA and is now Slash. Uh, and listen to War Ready if you want to know all about the Monday Night Wars and, and his character prior. Uh, Ken says that instead of making it next week let's get this done right now and as he's talking malice comes from behind and choke slams Ken uh before choking him while Ricky does an awful job trying to take malice off like I get it you're old you're not that old and yeah you he... slip sliding off you you look like um, it look it doesn't, Malice didn't even put baby oil on before this
1: yeah and on top of that it just the steamboat was staring at them for a couple of minutes and like Just, it looked like he
0: was trying to call a match. Yeah. So it was very weird. It was very odd. Security tries to come in. They pretty much stand there waiting and feeding to get uh, hit and thrown around. Uh, And eventually they get him off. Uh, Father James Mitchell says that might is right and the meek shall inherit nothing. A little play on words from, you know, the famous quote the meek shall inherit the earth. Uh, we get a recap of the six-man tag from last week before the X-Division Fatal 4-Way. Uh, Ed questions why these wrestlers are a part of the match, those wrestlers being AJ Styles, low Key, uh, uh, and Jerry Lynn, and then you've also added Psychosis into a mix. He wasn't a part of the six-man tag from last week. That was with the Flying Elvises. The Flying Elvises won, so Ed really has a point. Mike Tanay agrees with him, and... None of it fucking matters because we get the fatal four way anyway. Right. And it's convoluted fatal four way because TNA likes to make up their
1: own rules for things. So sometimes it works out. Sometimes it works out in this, in this regard, it actually wasn't terrible.
0: But it was just, you could have just done elimination. Yeah, and you could have just had this without the pins in between. So it was a double elimination Fatal 4-Way. Pretty much the rules are you get pinned or submitted twice, you're out of the fucking match. Let's move on. James, how was it? Yeah, so actually it was really good. It It was. was. It was phenomenal. It was pretty good. Not
1: to play on words uh, with uh, AJ Styles, but it was was really good. It was a really good match. I don't like this so... It's not a fatal four-way. Really, what it is is it's just a double elimination gauntlet match, uh. But because there's only two people active in the in the ring at the same time at one at at one particular moment, so it's like, you know, you get, you you basically you get you get a whole bunch you get of singles, singles matches, matches exactly, which is which is nice because it actually probably would flowed better than a Fatal 4-Way would have.
0: And not for nothing, it did flow really well because what happens is after every elimination, there is no uh, break in between. You go immediately into the next match, which plays a hand into it sometimes, especially because there was some... Oh, God, we're going to get to it in a minute. There was a dropkick from hell from that <laughs> somebody ate. Uh, yeah, so we start off with AJ Styles and Psychosis. James, you take the helm on this one, buddy. Sure. Uh, this wasn't... Uh, so every single of the singles
1: match is like...
0: About it's a not, minute or two.
1: A minute or two, but it works because they are doing some really entertaining things. And on top of that, you've got AJ Styles and Psychosis. They start out in the first singles match. Uh, we get super kicks. We get a whole bunch of uh, leg, leg drops, lariats. R- leg lariats, all this crazy stuff. And, uh, of course, they want to make Styles look strong because Styles is the guy that they're going to build around for quite a while. And AJ reverses uh, Arana into a uh, Styles Clash for a win uh, for his first fall. So try to keep up with us here. Psychosis has one loss. AJ Styles has a win. Winning does nothing to you but keeps you in the match. Got to wonder, like, is it more beneficial to lose your first round?
0: Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, AJ Styles versus Low-Key. Uh, Low-key immediately comes in. He puts uh, AJ Styles down with an instant and chops him into the corner. AJ Styles catches him on a handspring elbow attempt and then tries the style clash. Uh, Low-key reverses out of that and then chokes him out with a guillotine in the corner. But AJ's in the ropes, so there's that uh, break that's there. They fight on the ropes, and uh, Low-key knees him down and then goes up with a phoenix splash that miss- misses, which allows aj to hit the uh, strike combo and a rolling german into a face buster for the pin at four minutes and 20 seconds so this went just a little bit longer uh you definitely got to see low-key and all his glory if you haven't watched a low-key match uh it's about as strong style as you can get in terms of american wrestling yeah if only it wasn't such an asshole puts the fucking mustard on it like nobody's business right uh, after that, Jerry Lynn finally
1: gets involved in the match, and if you were expecting to see a classic between Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles for two minutes, you didn't. You got it for all of maybe 21 seconds, because as soon as Lynn runs in the ring, he hits a cradle pile of driver on AJ Styles for uh, the pin. So now,
0: everybody with the exception of Jerry Lynn has a loss. Yeah, just about Uh, Now you've got Jerry Lynn and Psychosis. Psychosis comes in with a missile dropkick. This is the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I was about to say this is... Psychosis comes in. Jerry Lynn isn't even looking. I'm not sure if he even knows that Psychosis goes to the top. And Psychosis jumps and hits a missile dropkick. And when I mean a missile dropkick, I mean a kamikaze dropkick. This was wild. Oh, it was a crazy dropkick. The whiplash that Jerry Lynn had at that moment in time. Oh, man. Uh, it really was all for nothing because Jerry got a flying head scissors and he followed with a bulldog off the top for two Psychosis takes him to the floor with her Carano and follows with a topic on Hilo. Uh, and then once they're back inside uh, psychosis uh, w- Hits a, a top rope leg lariat for two Lynn Gets an inverted DDT for a two count a cradle pile driver and that gets the pin and that took about maybe three minutes and twenty seconds, so this was about the longest uh, match right now. Yep, for now. So this is uh, and that DDT
1: that uh, they led into the cradle piledriver. I re- I remember it not looking that great. Uh, I don't remember if it was just mistiming or whatever, but it didn't look that great. And it, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. So Jerry Lynn's gonna stay uh, stay going. Uh, psychosis now has um, two losses. Two losses. That means psychosis is eliminated.
0: Indeed. And now you've got uh, low-key Jerry Lynn because low-key comes in.
1: Yep, low-key comes in, and uh, it's the, a lot of the same from before. Heavy heavy on the kicks, uh, uses that martial arts background uh, in the match, it is, and it allows him to really, t- again, the strong style is absolutely insane on, uh, on the part of this guy. I've seen him wrestle live. It's great. If you haven't seen a low-key match, we're going to keep saying it just look it up just remember if you're gonna book the guy he might be an asshole anyways uh he drops a uh, he drops a mood power elbow or uh or two uh chops jerry lynn into the corner and these chops are strong style chops these things are definitely loud and they're definitely heard around the arena uh and we get a we get a good back and forth between the two and finally we get a defeat from, uh, on the end of, uh, well, I'm well, mixing all my words here. You're good. You're good. Loki key low key gets it, pinned it gets after pinned. a cradle pile driver. And if you're wondering, that's now two yes. for Loki. That brings us to the actual main event. But, uh, Jerry Lynn has, has hasn't been, hasn't lost yet. No. So, so AJ he has Styles... To get
0: pinned. Twice.
1: Right. AJ Styles has to pin him twice. AJ Styles has one loss, which means one more knocks him out. And who better to go up against than the guy who put him down in the first place? So AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn start going at it. And again they're trying to make styles look extremely strong he's the guy he's fighting now he's fighting jerry lynn who has no losses
0: and this is jerry lynn after his classics he's already wrestled in wcw he's already wrestled rvd in the ecw string of matches that they've had uh that you know will go down in history as some of the best uh, cruiserweight matches so we're getting the best jerry lynn that we can get right now yep And uh, it's uh, very—Tanay
1: and the commentary team make it very clear that we're 15 minutes into the match at this point, and we start seeing a lot of—we start seeing AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn throw uh, back and forth, Haymakers, Leg Lariats, they're doing all this crazy— Flip, there's neck breakers neck, neck breakers inverted DDTs if you want if everything you want out of a, pr- a primetime AJ Styles match you're getting it here and AJ Styles eventually does pin Lynn. now they are even one loss apiece. and now this is it this is for the X division
0: championship yeah that pin came after a Styles clash now that it's the second pin and we're one and one from the both of them this is when Ricky Steamboat wants to come in the fucking match. And referee. Oh, so,
1: yeah, I uh, forgot to mention because I wanted to bring this up. So it wasn't immediately r- apparent to anybody that Ricky Steamboat was going to be a referee for this. It was halfway through the commentary of the match that they said it, we were just informed that G- uh, not Jerry Lynn. Whoa, Ricky Steamboat is going to be the special guest referee for the final fall of the contest. Why? I don't know. Who- Good on you, Ricky,
0: for getting that camera time.
1: Good on you. <laughs> yep, because this is the NWA. We respect the lineage of our former
0: wrestlers. Uh, so now, all of a sudden, he's just the special referee. We Yeah, we got a bunch of near-fall reversals, kind of like a tribute to Ricky Steamboat because he's... You know, known for his, uh, you know, reversals, you know, matches against Break Flair. Breaking kayfabe and, on
1: commentary also. Uh, they're, they're talking about putting people over, uh, and he and it's primarily Ed Ferrara, but, like, he's saying it's a show. Hey, I know wrestling. Uh, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> they call
0: him the opinionated Ed Ferrara, which, may, no disrespect to him, I've never heard of him prior to this. He looks like the front man for Corn. It's the only thing I know about him. Looks like he looks like Rob Zombie. That's it. He looks, like, it. A, it he looks like a it looks like cross between Rob Zombie and the front man for corn. That's, that's it. That's all I know him from. Nonetheless, uh they fight to the floor. Lynn runs AJ into the railing. Uh that was, you know, sounded pretty good as well. They kind of said that AJ landed on his head, but he didn't. Um He just flip bumped it, right uh, flat backed it right onto the railing. Yeah. Uh AJ goes back inside, uh, but then he moonsaults into another DDT. Lin reverses that into a reverse suplex on the, onto the top rope, and then follows with a draping DDT from the top for two. Uh, Lin pulls a, a spinning vertebrae-breaker attempt. AJ lands on his feet and tries a Rana, which Lin reverses into a face buster for a two-count, and honestly the crowd was kind of like dead going into this part I guess they at just, this point you're sitting through four hours of wrestling it's yeah like. that and I think they expected that the Styles clash and him winning was it because it got a really big pop but I I think that they didn't realize that now we have to do this again right so th- they're kind of like done at this point uh really you know l- later on Lynn tries a powerbomb, AJ reverses it into the Ushigurashi for two, and then they fight over a suplex. Lynn cuts him off with a superplex uh, for two on the top rope. AJ takes him down again and then goes up with a spiral tap to finish and the first X-Division champion, and that match lasted 20 minutes and 58 seconds, so not even a half hour. And these motherfuckers are bitching, saying, oh, it's 15 minutes, All this and that. Come on. Uh, Mike Taney declared that AJ Styles is the future of the sport. Arguably so. He's definitely one of the best wrestlers on the planet yep. uh, at one point in time, if not still currently right now, aside from that injury. Uh, but Spiral tap is a sick move. I love that move. Uh,
1: and I just want to talk briefly about this because I'm a big critic of belts, and this is one of the worst championship designs i've ever seen in my life <laughs> well Be- this is the old one well like right like no the new like the, 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 the real one the, original the, one the, the real original one is terrible for a couple of different reasons number one it so it has the x on it but it's like very it looks like small. duct tape it looked like duct tape yeah it looks like they took red duct tape through it on. on top of that it does not say championship on it if you go back and you google a picture of the belt it says title like x title and i'm like we, we, normally, you put championship. I'm not kidding. You can look it up. And it's, what's it called? It's I mean, I
0: think that's what they named it at first. I don't think they named it X Champion because I, I, I'm almost certain they went into it with the X title.
1: Uh, possibly, but either way, I mean, you're—it's a championship. The, you know, I, the title—the title is the championship. That's the thing. Is like, but just
0: it's CNA. They're trying to be different.
1: They man. stop being different. They're trying to be so, stop a, man. Well, then, then get a new title. I don't know. Get a new belt. Get the, a cooler belt. The oh wait, X and division we did. Was <laughs>
0: the new belt, man?
1: Yeah, yeah and then guess what? Samoa Joe
0: won it forty times.
1: Anyways. <laughs> Not the point
0: Samoa Joe did win it a lot of times, but that belt probably that, that 2009, like it, yeah, 2000 to 2012 era of the X Division was, was incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the we're gonna definitely get into that oh, era of that TNA. Would, That's well, why
1: we're starting here. I was about to say, well, eventually we'll get to the second Monday Night Wars, <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. this is what 2002. So we have seven years, yeah, of this to uh, go through.
1: Not really, because uh, yeah, 2009, I would say, I think it was when it started. No. 2010 is when the Monday night the second Monday night war started because they brought Hogan and everyone in and then they built
0: the 10 10 All right. 10. Hey, we might do a fast forward. we we'll, we're just saying. Yeah, we got but, we got uh, we got other fish to fry. We got a lot of wrestling to get to. Uh but yeah, we've got a new ex title champion, sure? AJ Styles. It's AJ Styles. I was about to say first, uh, first major champion uh, Yep, pay that they charged $9.95 for.
1: Yeah, and that was like I re- think they really thought that this was going to be like the future of like how wrestling was going to be presented, which was like on really cheap pay per view. Uh, and honestly, it wasn't a bad idea. I mean, if you get a good amount of people to buy your nine ninety nine uh, a week pay per view, you know, it's not that bad. It would you would actually turn a, a pretty decent profit if you were a
0: decent wrestling company. Yeah, if you it, uh, because and because of the fact that like there. are... Is a market for, I guess, this type of wrestling, especially because they're, what, uh, I don't know, marketing towards a southern crowd? That's why they got this whole NASCAR thing and everything's, you know, going on like that.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird because it's like, you, they're trying to cater to wrestling fans, but they're trying to get that southern market. And like, again, the NWA has always been this big thing where they're, they talk about how they're trying to keep the territories alive and all this and it was just never going to go back to that point and that's why I mean we'll talk about it at some point eventually uh TNA does break away from the NWA become its own entity and that's where that's when actually TNA really starts to pick up is once
0: we're out of the NWA Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's kind of it kind of falters here but it's it's not that bad. I mean, it, hey, listen, two uh two shows that have been arguably like pretty pretty ent- good, pretty entertaining, pretty good. I, I, I would
1: say I would even go as far as to say that they're, they're pretty, they're pretty, they're, they're very good. uh I keep they held my attention for sure. It's got its moments. Every wrestling show does. Uh, there's no there's no way you can tell me you watch a wrestling show and say that it was a perfect show from start to finish. Hell, even WrestleMania 17 had the gimmick battle royal. I mean, you
0: know, it's it, it is what it is. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're just going to go real quick, as we did with War Ready, um, and as we do sometimes with our paper reviews, uh, we're just going to go ahead and talk about the uh, Wrestling Observer that Dave Meltzer, he, you know, so famously has put out, uh, and it just talks about, you know, the, the what's going on today. There's a kind of a backstage insider feel to it, so, you know just right off the top they just talk about uh, you know how th- the pay-per-view itself um, they call it <laughs> Dave Meltzer calls it uh, a second-rate WWE uh, because they copied the Rumble on their debut show uh, he expected Shamrock to win because they weren't going to put it on Jarrett immediately but he expects that Jarrett is going to win it uh, eventually how right he was exactly uh, also He said that people in TNA think that Shamrock is still a a big pay-per-view draw because he did good numbers for UFC. Um, Dave isn't so optimistic about that, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbled. He he actually did pretty decent numbers for TNA at the time, uh, pay-per-view wise. Uh, We, uh, speaking of Shamrock, Dave goes more into him, talks about how he was negotiating with uh, the WWE and they agreed to let him have a 12 date per month uh, deal, which was like similar to Hogan and Nash and the Undertaker, who were legends at the time. Uh, but they couldn't guarantee him the amount of money that he uh, wanted um, by fighting the UFC, and they refused. They refused to let him fight uh, in the UFC while under a WWE uh, contract. The TNA uh, only had one date every two weeks, and they bulk recorded. Shows at the time So it was this Obviously the schedule That he wanted I'm pretty sure That they uh, Were going to let him Use uh, UFC fights You know Going into it Uh, He had Potentials Against uh, Tito Ortiz And Dan Severn And I think One or two of them One if not both of them Definitely happened Uh, uh, He goes on To then praise uh, James uh, James Storm And Chris Harris Uh, That was from The week before um th- he was talking about how TNA uh, w- was signing them and then that was more on the first week so we're going to the second week uh real quick into TNA talking about um the uh fallout from the battle royal and things of uh, that nature uh Conan he talked about Conan being in there uh, Don Fry apparently talked to Jeff Jarrett about coming in and working a match with uh Ken Shamrock, so that'll be huge if you don't know who Don Fry is. He's a a world-renowned fighter in his own right. Uh, They made an offer to Shane Douglas, but he only agreed to come in if they didn't hire Francine. Uh, There was a lot of falling out from ECW, ECW, and it involved Francine. uh, It involved Shane Douglas. It involved Paul Heyman. So there's still a lot of... uh, you know yeah and tna goes
1: uh, and says that they'd rather have francine which is i don't know shane douglas is the franchise he's you know also it would have been interesting because shane douglas won the nwa world's championship and threw it on the ground uh when they initially started extreme championship wrestling so it would have been an interesting concept to have shane douglas in in, in an nwa promoted uh yeah f- federation where he mm-hmm. could have they could have ran a story. I'm, I'm mark booking it right now. It's pretty, uh, you know. I, that would be that would have been my my uh, my go to story
0: had I because I would have been told Francine to kick rocks, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, Dave then talks about Mike and Todd Shane and how they come how they are coming into the company as Dick and Rod Johnson and they were gonna have costumes that look like penises. Obviously, that did happen from the first show. We got a, a very good glimpse of that. It was very comical. If you didn't listen to the first uh, total nonstop review definitely do apparently uh, because Vince Russo was involved they didn't know whether they really wanted to do it because remember Vince Russo just left the WWF unceremoniously got the fucking boot um, for for pretty much sabotaging the show NWA signed them on almost immediately because the WCW folded Uh, but nonetheless top stars were making around $3,500 a week which is not bad for one day's uh, work every week. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah, $3,500 a week. I'll take that. Please and thank you. Even back then, it, it, that's pretty crazy. Uh, I'd fucking... i I'd do a reverse battle royal for $3,500. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much about it. Um, you know, they, NWA changed their taping plans and they no longer plan to tour. They'll be live every week. Uh, the first shows, obviously, were in Huntsville, Alabama. And then everything else is going to be in Nashville at the Municipal Auditorium. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that's the impact zone, the OG impact zone. What was it? The, uh, yes, the yeah. asylum.
1: The, uh, that's that, that's what it was. It was the asylum. They called it, I think it was called the asylum back in the day. Okay. Uh, but because it was, the impact zone was always um, Orlando. But I believe the asylum was what they nicknamed the uh, the Nashville Arena.
0: So, it was a 9,000-seat building that they ran every week. And even since then, they still never drew a crowd. What was crowd the name of the arena? I'm sorry. The Municipal Auditorium. Okay. Uh,
1: okay. I've got a different name here. They, they could very well be the same thing. It's another... So, I have... The TNA Asylum was originally the Tennessee State Fairgrounds Arena... I don't know if that's the exact same thing. It's probably not. But the that but eventually that's where it, it goes to is uh the the um the the impact tapings eventually.
0: Oh, I can't even say impact cuz they weren't even impact. Yet. Yeah, the Nash. so it's the Nashville Fairgrounds. So yeah, it was a different it was a different yeah. place. So, okay, so sure- this is a different place than what they got during the, the for the impact zone. Right. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Uh yeah, uh, but they still never Drew more than 9,000 fans, so why they got a 9,000-seat arena is beyond me. But it's okay. Nonetheless, that was your TNA pay-per-view number two review. Uh, Make sure you go ahead and listen to week number one from last week. Uh, Tune in next time for week number three where we get uh, the tag match between Scott Hall and Brian Christopher versus Jeff Jarrett and um, K-Crush. And then I believe we're going to get an ex-title defense, possibly. Um, We'll get more stuff from the lingerie battle royal. And, uh, yeah, many, many, many more things to come, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We shall see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and get to... Uh, the ending scripts before we go. Make sure you go ahead and follow us on all social media, Double Turn Radio, wherever you could find us. On Twitter, it's going to be Double Turn Radio, ending always going to be a zero. Uh, we are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you can hear our pretty little voices. Please go ahead and do so. We appreciate the support from every single one of you, and we like the social uh, media interactions from all of you. So we really, really do appreciate it. We love to be your uh, wrestling audio encyclopedia. Whether you are on the road as a worker or at home as a fan or just somebody who wants their professional wrestling fix, thank you for choosing us uh, to be your number one pick. Shout out
1: to Joey Flats. He provides the intro and outro for every single episode of Double Turn Radio. This has been TNA Impact NWA TNA Total, pay, nonstop, total nonstop Review. review. <laughs> god, so many different names. Wait till it turns into impact and it's gonna be the impactful review. Oh, <laughs> oh god. Mm-hmm. Other than that, that's total non-stop review episode two. Join us for episode three. That'll be coming out very, very soon for Xavier Heat Wrestling's favorite hothead. I am the man with no gimmick, the James Cotti here at Double turd Radio. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye.